No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schapp. The great Norman Chad. Norman, thank you for being with us. You know, Jeremy, I build my week around these appearances, so it's probably fortunate for me that I only appear once or twice a year on your show. Well, it's it's not for lack of trying on our part. Uh, you're a hard man to reach. The World Series of Poker, I know, has been taking place. That's your Super Bowl. Um, for someone who doesn't really understand the scene at the World Series of Poker, what is it like up close and personal when those people are all in pursuit of the, uh, what is it, the Immaculate Bracelet? What do they call the bracelet? It's the... <laughs> The biggest one is the main event bracelet, the gold bracelet, which is the uh, the feature, the uh-huh. $10,000 Iron World Championship, which starts in July. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, 75 other bracelets that they play for. Uh, the scene is, is pretty much, if you can imagine, I don't know if you've ever been to Jiffy Lube, but if you imagine, <laughs> just you know, Jiffy Lube has maybe two bays, two car bays. So uh-huh. if you imagine about three or four or 5,000 people waiting to use those two car bays and just sort of piling into the same area, and kind of rushing to get there. And some don't shower, some don't shave, but they all want to get into that Jiffy Lube car bay so the Jiffy Lube attendant can tell them that, yeah, we've changed your oil, but you also need a a carburetor fix, and that'll be another $300. Here's what I don't understand, Norman, and I'm sure you can clarify because you are Norman Chad, a man associated globally with the game of poker, which is often um, regarded as a proxy for mental acuity, uh, shrewdness. Um, well, it seems like every couple of days I meet somebody who tells me they were in the World Series of Poker. How big is the field? The the, the World Series of Poker is amazing. I mean, it's essentially it's, it's like it's the equivalent of the Olympics. So it's a festival that lasts seven weeks, and there's mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of events, just as there are in the Olympics. Oh, okay. So the opening event this year, uh, which was celebrating the 50th anniversary uh, of the World Series of Poker. Uh, they call it the Big 50. They brought the buy-in down to $500 to get into the event. Most World Series events cost $1,500 or more. So with only $500 to get into the event, and with the payoff being uh, maybe more than a million dollars for your $500, 28,000 entries for that $500 event. That's 28,000 entries. Now, you can re-enter in that event, but that, was, that included 18 or 19,000 what we call unique entries, and then some of the people re-entered. So eighteen or 19,000 people crowding into the Rio poker rooms uh, over a couple-day period, and that's how popular this thing can be. We're speaking with Norman Chad. What's the farthest you've advanced in the World Series? Uh, I got a little further. You know, I, I've had trouble sometimes. I, I don't get very far. I didn't get very far in my first or second marriage. But on my <laughs> 15th or 16th World Series event that I played about five years ago, uh, it was a, a Stud, uh, as a mix we'll call stud event, stud high-low and Omaha high-low, two different disciplines of poker. There's about four or 500 entries. It was a $2,500 event to, to buy into. So with four or 500 entries, I made my only World Series final table, which is, it was, it was just, mm. you know, it was just the height of my poker playing career. I don't have much of a poker playing career. So I finished, uh, I finished fifth or sixth in that field of four or 500 people. To make a final table is very, very hard. I got very, very lucky. 
And so making the final table was like the equivalent of me winning a bracelet. It was uh, it was just, you know, it was the proudest moment of my poker playing career. When you're at one of these events, is it like Masters and Johnson showing up at a nudist colony? Are, are you are you like descended upon by the hordes, the masses? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I really don't like I really don't like the tone and sensibility of how you put that question. Uh, but I will answer it out of fairness for you, and I'm not going to walk off the set. Uh, I, I, I could have come up with a better analogy yeah, or fine. metaphor. Uh, I didn't like, mean it know, as an insult. I, I mean, they're important people. They're scientists. Or were. No, people have compared it, people have compared it more, uh, to be honest with you. I know Masters and Johnson are, are very good scientists. That Most of your current listeners or listeners do, do not know who they are. But uh, if they, more people <laughs> compare it to the more people compare it to Sinatra walking into the stands uh, during its heyday. Uh, yes, the, when I walk into a poker room in Las Vegas, <laughs> particularly the World Series of Poker, that's the only place where, you know, somehow I am, uh, I don't know if the word is revered, but certainly I'm pestered. And what does that feel like? It's unusual for me because, as we know, I'm probably not a people person. Now, no reason for you to have to uh, expand on that. Nope. I'm probably not a What's people it going person. To? So uh, it, it's an unusual muscle that I have to flex. Mm-hmm. It comes with the territory. It's certainly, you know, it's, it's, it's unusual for me. I've gotten used to it, sort of. Uh, I've, you know, I actually sign autographs, which my kids, my stepkids look at and go, why are they asking for your autograph? I take a million selfies, which my stepkids go, why would they ever want your picture? So it's just something I've gotten used to. And it's, it's certainly, you know, it, it's a good territory because I love doing the poker broadcast. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So if that comes with, you know, dealing with the people out there, I can deal with the people out there. We're speaking with Norman Chad, the poker maven, the couch slouch columnist, globally syndicated his TV sports column, which has been must reading for the cognoscenti in the industry for decades now. Um, Norman, what's the obsession with James Holtzauer? If uh, Holtzauer, am I saying it right? What's that yeah, all about, man. your obsession with him? Well, was, uh, you know, I had not watched Jeopardy in, in probably 20 years. And uh, when I heard he was having this, you know, early historic run and playing the game differently, I turned it on. And I turned it on partially also because I knew he was a professional sports gambler. I knew he used to be a professional poker player or, or a semi-professional poker player online. So watching what he did to that game and simply he, he came up with a different gaming theory. He probably would have won all the times he won if he just played the game like everybody else did. But he, he came up with a strategy which made a whole lot of sense that nobody had thought of in the you know the thirty five year history of the primetime Jeopardy or the nighttime Jeopardy, not to mention the previous Jeopardy with Bart Fleming, one of my favorite childhood uh, oh, game show hosts. Yeah, so he, right. he came up with a whole new way to play the game and to attack the game and to virtually strangle hold the game. Now all that doesn't work unless he has all the answers, which is just amazing on top of all that. So it's just an incredible amount of knowledge he's uh, acquired over the years, but then to, to be able to recall it at that moment under the hot light and buzz in before, and plus he's got to learn the buzzer. All three people usually know the answer. They're so smart. And somehow he gets the, the whole rhythm of how to get the buzzer done. So you put all those things together and we were essentially, you know, we were watching, you know, Michelangelo paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. So I don't understand why you think it's such a problem that I watched them for 20 or 30 days. In your experience, Norman, and you've been around some of the smartest people in the business for a long time. You are one of the smartest people in the business. Uh, what is the correlation between knowledge and wisdom? Wow, that's a, that's a tough question. That, that, I'll be honest with you. That's, that's a little over my pay grade. Uh, 
because there's, you know, knowledge and wisdom. That's pretty tough. Knowledge and wisdom. Because we used to talk about, you know, when CNN first came out, we talked about it being, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep. Right. Which means it was just a, a you know it's just a bunch of little stuff about stuff around the whole Pre world. First Gulf War until the first Gulf War changed until, that narrative. You're right until the first Gulf War, uh, and I've known people that way too that just are immersed in trivia or what we call you know like you know like 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 dinner party conversation. Who can always cite like they'll read the book review of a big book, but they'll never read the book, so they'll be able to tell you a couple of things about the latest novel. That's what I do. You know, but, Oh, I, I, you do that brilliantly. I mean, you. you've actually carved an entire career out of that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, but I digress. Uh, but so the, the difference between knowledge and wisdom is it actually can be a pretty big gap. And uh, yeah. I don't, by the way, I don't even have the knowledge that I want to have. I hope I have the wisdom that is more instinctual or like a sixth sense because I don't have the base knowledge of, say, a Cornell graduate. Sure. Or, or or somebody who's you know you know grown up in you know just just grown up in a silver spoon situation has been given hand it just handed everything their whole life uh, whether it's uh, you know jobs. because they were they were connected Legacy. jobs because yep. they were connected you know being handed it's like all true. The, the, the town of outside the lines just because the other guy decided he was tired of working with you I I, so, I, I can't I can't even dispute what you're saying so continue. Yeah, so I don't have <laughs> I don't have all those built-in advantages, uh, and so I I know I don't have the knowledge, and I actually hope I have the wisdom. No, Norman, here's here's another question, and it's related. Um, what is the correlation, if there is any, between intelligence and success at poker? There are people, you know, there's, it's almost like a street, a street native intelligence. So there are a lot of people who are very, very good at poker who don't have, you know, high IQ or don't have, you know, we'd call book intelligence. You know, one of the reasons I think poker is underrated by people to understand it is that there's a lot of different skills that go into poker. You know, I used to joke with, you know, Bob, you know, Bob Costas carries a Mickey Mantle uh, baseball card famously mm-hmm. in his wallet for many number many years, and so I say I, I, I carry a Doyle Brunson baseball card before I carry a Mickey Mantle baseball card. What you know, about Mickey Dewey Mantle, Tomko? Dewey Tomko, I carry his card. I mean, there's a guy who's a great poker player, was a school teacher, was an elementary school teacher, is a great poker player, is is arguably the greatest golf gambler of this century. You know, I did I a mean, story about them uh, about Dewey's golf gambling. And Doyle, oh, so I, I followed him and Doyle. Did I ever tell you the story? So I spent um, a couple of days with Doyle, with Dewey on the golf course, and one day with Doyle on the golf course in Vegas. It was Dewey and Doyle versus this French professional poker player. You would know his name. I don't remember it. Big guy, had been a professional tennis player in his youth. Do you know who I'm talking about? David Benjamin. That's him. Yeah. And he was playing with a pro from what is it, Shadow Creek, the Steve Wynn course, and right. and they are playing for a hundred thousand dollars a hole. And after the front nine, Doyle and Dewey are down a hundred thousand dollars. So they say, you know what, this is boring. Um Let's double the stakes. Two hundred thousand a hole. I'm not making this is all happening in front I know of me. You're not. This and, is how they this is how they work. And yeah. and what they do is you know better than I is they just have to find the number at which the other person starts to tremble and lose Correct. their nerve. And so they, they double the stakes. 
They win three holes in a row. Now they're up half a million. They have the next five holes. And now they're going into 18. And Doyle and Dewey say, you know what? Uh, double or nothing. You know, we win this, we get a million, uh, you win it, uh, we're even. And uh, they asked the French guy if he would do it, and he said no. That's my story. <laughs> By the way, that's Dewey in a nutshell. He he is he is tremendous. You know, it's like the ice in veins. On the golf course, he can make more pressure putts with that type of money, his own money, on the line than anybody else, again, that we've ever well, known. Well, the conceit and that's why was... I was at the time, that, that he, the conceit of the piece at the time was that he'd made more money playing golf probably than anyone with the exception of Tiger Woods. Correct. Like in a given year, when Dewey used to do this more often, he, he would earn more money than you know, maybe anybody but the top, top five golfers on the PGA Tour earnings list. And, and the difference is that they're not putting up a dime. That's sponsor right. money. Right. It's, it's Dewey's money coming out of his pocket. Those are pressure putts. That's why what he's doing is more difficult than making a whole, uh, you know, making a, a big putt on the 71st or 72nd hole at Augusta National with the Masters on the line. So, yeah, those guys, so to, to get back to your question, there are so many different skills that go into grinding out a poker career in the black. And uh, so th- there's instinct. There are reading skills. Uh, there, there's money management at the table. There's mathematical skills. There's psychological and emotional. you got to deal with things good and bad happening and not let that affect you. So I have a lot of, I have more respect to get back to this for Doral Brunson than Mickey Mantle, just in the very narrow aspect that Mickey was physically gifted and uh, he could hit a baseball and he could, you know, he could run great. Like a deer. Of all time. Yeah. And, but by the way, he had to hone it as well. He just couldn't show up. Even though he's like, sometimes he showed up and sometimes he showed up maybe when he wasn't a hundred percent because of the night before. But for the poker player, they just there's just so many there's such a just a, such a varied skill set uh, that they have to go through to come out ahead at the end of the day. So the, the, the guys who do it best, I have an incredible amount uh, of respect for. We're speaking with the great Norman Chad, the couch slouch himself. Required reading, really, not just if you're in the industry, but uh, if you watch television or if you watch sports. Uh, and Norman, before we let you go, on a more personal note. Um, you know, we had this kind of uh, fake or semi-fake uh, Twitter war going back and forth. And, you know, I, I was a little sensitive about it because I felt like uh, sometimes maybe you were a little too cutting and it was a little too close to the truth, which, you know, is always when, you know, something really hurts. Uh, but I see you backed off and I've got mixed emotions because part of me is relieved uh, because nobody likes to be criticized, even if it's a semi-joke. And part of me is hurt because it seems like you've just moved on. What, what's what's actually happened? Okay. Your interpretation of the events are different than the actual reality of the events. <laughs> I usually just back Not off, in conformity you know, with objective reality, as Edward Bennett Williams said about George Steinbrenner? Wow, you pulled that one out. That's very, you. you know, I, I got to tell you, you remain one of the better educated people. Uh, I've ever met, uh, and as, as, as Aristotle once said, you know, the roots of education are bitter, but the fruit is sweet. And you are a, a living, a living example of that each and every day. Thank you, I didn't back off. I just was taking some time off. You seem to enjoy the back and forth. Uh, you now, because you pissed me off with this question, not to mention the earlier Masters and Johnson uh, revelation, that I will, re- I will, as soon as I get off the phone with you here. I will restoke 
the, the, the fake Twitter war. Uh, the only reason I, I was backing off at all is that some people took it seriously and I felt bad about it. They thought I was attacked. I got too many people thought I was attacking mm. seriously. That's right. Uh, I, didn't did. mind I forgot that. Yeah, I didn't mind being the bad guy, even though some people, again, tweeted me or direct messaged me. You know, who, who has a Twitter war with Jeremy Shaw? Right. I mean, how, how, how screwed up are you? We know I'm screwed up, but it was a fake Twitter war. But now it will be a fake Twitter war, but it will be, it'll be, it'll be a massive fake Twitter war. I, I'm cocked and loaded now to come back at you. Uh, as hard as I can, but it will be fake. Norman, it's always a pleasure. My respect for you no, no, knows no bounds. Norman Chad is the couch slouch, and he's he's the best. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, sir. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.